Hello, gentle people. Ever since my daughter, Laura, was on with me, most recently I keep hearing from folks, we think you should address us as gentle people. I don't know. I'm not sure that's going to stick. But I do want to talk to you today. You are made to count. You have a drive for significance. That's such a good thing. And what I want to talk to you today is to live today, the invitation to live today with an uncluttered mind. We want to make a difference, particularly in the lives of the people around us. But when you get around somebody and they're frantic and they're preoccupied and they're stressed out and there's this sense of uh, restless, nervous energy in them, it's just contagious. And we're not able to bring into somebody else's lives the kind of life-giving presence that we can when there's rootedness and centeredness in God and a sense of God's adequacy and calm and poise. We all want to have that. We live in a world of clutter. Our house or apartment or dorm room, our living space gets cluttered. Our inbox, all the emails, our devices get cluttered. Our schedules get cluttered. But worst of all is our minds get cluttered. And today, the invitation for you is to live with an uncluttered mind. So I want to read some words from Henry Nouwen and reflect on them and then have some time to declutter your mind as you uh, face the day. This is from Henry Nouwen's book, The Way of the Heart, page 43. He says, one of our main problems is that in this chatty society, silence has become a very fearful thing. For most people, silence creates itchiness and nervousness. Many experience silence, not as full and rich, but as empty and hollow. For them, silence is like a gaping abyss which can swallow them up. As soon as a minister says during a worship service, let us be silent for a few moments, people tend to become restless and preoccupied with only one thought. When will this be over? Imposed silence often creates hostility and resentment. Many ministers who have experimented with silence in their services have soon found out that silence can be more demonic than divine and have quickly picked up the signals that were saying, please keep talking. It is quite understandable that most forms of ministry avoid silence precisely to ward off the anxiety it provokes. Silence provokes anxiety. But isn't the purpose of all ministry, really all life, to reveal that God is not a God of fear, but a God of love? And couldn't this be accomplished by gently and carefully converting the empty silence into a full silence, the anxious silence into a peaceful silence, the restless silence into a restful silence, so that in this converted silence, a real encounter with the loving Father could take place? What a power our word would have if it could enable people to befriend their silence. So that begins with you and me in these moments now to befriend the silence. There is a famous story in the Bible in the book of 1 Kings, you might know about it, where Elijah, a prophet who's been trying to serve God, is desperate and frantic and anxious and suicidally depressed, wants God to take his life, comparing himself to other people, I'm no better than my ancestors believing that he's isolated, when in fact he knows that he's not. 
And God leads him deeply into the desert. And then we're told he has this remarkable experience where he hears the sound of a great wind, but the Lord is not in the wind, whatever that means. And then there is the experience of a deep earthquake, but the Lord is not in the earthquake, whatever it would mean for the Lord to be in an earthquake. And then there is the sound of a fire, but the Lord is not in the fire. And then it says in the 12th verse of 1 Kings 19 that Elijah moves to the edge of the cave where he is. And then there is, uh, and apparently the Hebrew here is quite hard to translate. Sometimes it's translated as still small voice. If you've ever heard that phrase, that's where it comes from. Sometimes it's translated a gentle whisper. In the New Revised Standard Version, it says, And Elijah heard the sound of sheer silence. And God was in the silence. Um, people who compose music or are involved in music will often talk about how um, in music, it's really the silence. It's the rest between the notes that matters. One of the most famous compositions, kind of an avant-garde piece of the 20th century, John Cage wrote, is called 433, and in it, a pianist would come out and sit at the bench and actually close the lid of the keyboard and there would be silence for four minutes and 33 seconds. Imposed silence. People would have to sit in silence. One of the reasons Cage did this, he actually went to what's called an anechoic uh, chamber at Harvard in Boston. This is a soundproofed room that's also designed so that the floors and the ceilings and the walls absorb all sounds so that you cannot hear a single sound. And Cage stood in there, but he heard two sounds, kind of a high-pitched sound and a low-pitched sound. Then he asked the sound engineer, what is that? How do we turn that off? And then he says, you can't turn that off. That high-pitched sound, that's the sound of your nervous system. And the lower-pitched sound, that's the sound of the blood circulating in your vessels, when all the outside sounds are stilled, then you can hear what is within. And it's a remarkable thing that when I still my outer world, when I declutter it, then I hear what is in my mind. And silence is what enables the deep thoughts to go deep within me. I've talked before about many years ago when I went to a men's retreat where they were talking about something called the shadow mission. What is your shadow mission? If you just go on default, where will your life end up that it should not end up? Where will darkness or self-preoccupation or ego take me? And one of the guys said, my shadow mission is to watch TV and then uh, engage in, he used a slang term for a sexual habit, while the world around me goes to hell. And everybody kind of chuckled a little nervously about that. And he said, I'm going to say that one more time. This time, don't laugh. And then he said, my shadow mission is to watch TV and engage in this sexual habit while the world goes to hell. And it was the silence that took that thought from, oh, it's kind of a funny, odd thing, to... Oh my goodness, how a human life can be wasted on such trivial, self-oriented obsessions. And that could be me. And I don't want that to be me.
Silence becomes this very rich soil in which seeds of thoughts that can bless us and guide us and warn us and nurture us can grow and bloom. So I want to offer you a moment of stillness now. And you might think about the term the Lord, the Lord is. And I wonder how you would finish that in your cluttered mind. The Lord is disappointed in me. The Lord is strict and severe. The Lord is distant. The Lord is scary. The Lord is somebody that I'm not sure I know at all. Now here's the thought that you can sit with for a moment right now in a rich, full silence. The Lord is my shepherd. I am not doing life on my own. I am not left to my own resources. I am not trapped in my inadequacy. I have a shepherd. And he is the God who made everything. Who speaks in a still small voice and a gentle whisper and in the sheer sound of silence. The Lord is my shepherd. Let that be the thought that you come back to today. And when your mind wants to clutter you with all kinds of tasks that you have not yet done and problems you have not yet solved and questions you have not yet answered and future scenarios that you have not yet anticipated and taken care of, just let let the fire and the earthquake and the wind go on and listen in the silence to that one thought. The Lord is your shepherd. Make today count together with him. I'm very grateful for these moments with you. I love you. See you next time.